0: Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe, Now What? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of I Believe, Now What? If you haven't read the title of this episode, we are going to be going over a scary verse from the Bible. Uh, So what exactly does that entail? Well, let's go ahead and just break it down uh, exactly as we're reading it over. All right, so this verse is coming from Matthew 7, 21. And every now and again, as we read our Bible, we come across you know a verse that could strike fear in us and leaves us asking, is, is this about me? What is it talking about? Especially if we have not studied that passage before. Matthew seven twenty one is one of those verses. I'll read verses uh, 21 through 23 so you can hear it in context. Because remember, reading something in context is very, very important when you're checking out the Bible. So remember when we're reading this, this is Jesus himself talking. So it goes on to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many of them will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If you've never studied this passage before, and you got a shot of fear from hearing that, well, that honestly, that's probably a good thing, uh, because that that kind of shows where you're at in the sanctification process. As we all know in Romans, you know, it talks about how men don't have the fear of God, and that's why they continue on sinning. But if a good, healthy dose of fearing God is a good thing, obviously there's different types of fear, but that's a different discussion for a different time. Uh, One might say after reading this, you you know, wait a second. Doesn't Paul say in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're going to be saved in the salvation? Or John 3.16, that famous verse that everybody knows, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? Yes, yes. All those verses say that, and that is exactly what those verses mean. So now how do we try to make sense of this passage in Matthew. Well, let's go ahead and break it down. So, as we break this down, I want you to look at this w- I want you to look at this word that our Lord uses. Never. Whenever I see God using a word like never, I pay attention. Reason being is that never is an absolute. It's not up for debate. In our Christian faith, the entire body of Christ can sometimes get caught up in arguing over just petty things and interpretations of certain passages, and uh, especially these issues that might not deal with salvation. I mean, that that's fine and all, and that, that's probably healthy because that means we're looking at Christ's Word and we're really diving deep down into it. But we can kind of get caught up into that where that's our entire lives. Uh, but when the Lord uses the word never, it's really not something that we can debate. So, by judging, or as you were, by reading this verse, we can see that just believing in God, in Jesus, you know, the Spirit, it's, it's, it's just not enough to believe that they exist. In James 2.19, you know, it tells us, even the demons believe and shudder. So, if believing is not enough, then what else is there? Well, the answer is actually given us to Jesus in that very same verse we're studying. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Simple, right? So you just have to do the will of your Father or the will of the Father of God. Well, now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, that that sounds a lot like works, Tim. And you're correct. James 2 continues to stay in verse 20. But you are But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? That, that's what James is saying. Faith without works is useless. Well, how do we kind of go about what Paul wrote in Romans 3.28 then? Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, a.k.a. works. Well, the answer, my friends, is very simple. The works we do after receiving the Holy Spirit, these aren't works of us. It is works because of the Holy Spirit. It's us doing it, but it's not us. It's because of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 15, verses 4 through 5, "'Abide in me, and I in you, "'as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself "'unless it abides in the vine, "'so neither can you unless you abide in me. "'I am the vine, you are the branches. "'He who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing here we see jesus clearly telling us that our works apart from the holy spirit are absolutely nothing they mean nothing to god so you see there's two kind of works there one work is the work that we do of our hands of our own volition this is 100% us God doesn't care about those works. You don't get saved by those works. And then there's works because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, because God's working through us. Those are the good works that James is talking about. So in essence, it's not you doing the work, but more so God doing it through you. Once we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we no longer owned ourselves. And we were bought at a price, which was through the Son, Jesus Christ, just as it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20. Now that we have the issues of works out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into Matthew 21, verses 22 uh, a little bit more and see what it's trying to tell us. The answer can cause a little bit of controversy, actually a lot of controversy, and it might even anger some people. But the truth is, if you are actually saved and put your faith in Jesus as Lord— And your actions, or your fruit, as the Bible says, will reflect that. Obviously, this doesn't mean we'll never sin again. And after all, we still live in this imperfect body of flesh. But nevertheless, we're going to keep moving on the path towards Christ in our sanctification process. If you don't know what the sanctification process is, I know that's kind of a big word if you're new to the faith. That's pretty much the process that you're going through as Christ is kind of growing you up. You know, we always use the term uh, born again. We're born again, so we have to obviously relearn how to do things, but this time we're relearning it, how to do it through Christ. This is the sanctification process. So you might tell me, all right, Tim, what's the issue then? Well, the issue is that there's a lot of people out there who claim Christ, but their actions and their theology don't actually reflect that. Now, this doesn't mean to say that once you're saved and you flip 180 degrees, uh, you're going to flip 180 degrees that very second. It's like I said before, we're still living in this fleshly body. And once the conversion happens, you're still, your, your flesh is still addicted to that same sin that we had before Christ. The difference is our spirit no longer desires those because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, some people, honestly, they could turn away from their sin in a snap of the finger. All right? While some of us you know, have a much slower turnaround, but nonetheless, they will turn around. With these statements, we can gather that there's no possible way that a Christian can live the rest of their natural life. We keep that in mind because we're going to get to it. Their natural life in unrepentant sin. So you might think to yourself, well, I, I, I know people who once believed and, and they fell away. Are you trying to tell me that those people aren't saved? I would reply to you with this. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Now, this is not saying that you can lose your salvation. Don't get it mixed up. There are numerous verses in the Bible that point out that you cannot lose your salvation. And this can also get into a much longer discussion. I've already done a a podcast episode on that before, if you can lose your salvation or not. Uh, but the words of Ephesians, we'll just leave, leave, put it right here just in case you need a little bit of reassurance as your first time listening to me. Uh, but the words of Ephesians 1.3 state, In him you also, after listening to the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were, listen to this word, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Being sealed by a promise from the Holy Spirit, hey, that's good enough for me. All right, now back to the topic at hand. If a professing Christian lives a life of unrepentant sin, they were probably never saved in the first place. Not probably, they were never saved in the first place. Uh, The we're going to get a little bit deeper into this as we go along but what I normally call this type of person is the insurance policy christian and i'm doing little quotations with my hands <laughs> insurance policy christian well you know they, they might be that person that goes well i i said the sinner's prayer when i was young so that means i'm saved i know i'm not really living in a life of uh you know sanctification and glory you know i'm not really you know walking that christian path now but you know i was saved when i was young so god will forgive me for what i've been doing is wrong um, you know, this, my friends, that is a sure sign of someone who really never placed their faith in the Lord. You know, for whatever reason it was, this is one of the reasons why I'm not really big on uh, those giant youth events that have lots of music and laser lights, smoke machines. They repeat the same word over and over and over and over again. It's a very experiential, if that's even a word, you know, an experience-based thing. And they work on people's emotions. So, and then when they do the altar call, you know, they're all emotionally jazzed up. And sometimes when they get up there to do that altar call, that's not the spirit calling them up there to do that. That is their emotions, a cop out. Um, How do we determine those people from others? Well, Jesus tells us it's through their fruits. Now, I'm not telling you to go around pointing at all these people that go to that and say they were saved at some convention like that and be like, you're actually not saved. No, don't do that. Don't judge somebody's salvation based off of that. You have no idea where they are in the sanctification process. But what I am saying is if you are one of those people that thought you were saved because you had an emotional event when you were younger or at some point in time in your life, but then your life really isn't reflecting what the Bible teaches and the way that God wants you to go in on a consistent basis, then you might want to re-examine yourself, just like Paul told uh, the church in Corinth. You know, So I, I'm giving you this message with the utmost love and concern. I really am. And this is the same way that you got to go about it with other people that you might be talking to. You might know people like this. There may be some people listening to this that, that are offended or upset, but I assure you that is one of my attempts. My other intent is to reinforce what true Christians already know. So why would, why would I want to offend somebody? Well, the truth offends. It, it really does. Um, and if that offense can bring you into reading your Bible more and uh, you growing in that process and ultimately coming to confession and coming to believe that you are a broken person and that you need Christ to be saved, you can't rely on yourself, the works of the flesh, you have to rely on Christ alone, then that's a good thing for me. I want us to look at what into what faith actually is. All right, so faith defined by the Oxford Dictionary is this, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So when Paul says we are justified by faith alone in Romans, he's saying that faith does not simply mean we believe. There's a difference between putting your faith in something and believing in something. When a politician that I, I don't like states their political opinions, you know, like, I believe what they're saying, as in, like, I believe they believe that's right. You know, otherwise they're not saying that. Uh, but it doesn't mean I trust in what they're saying. I believe they're saying it, and I believe they're saying what they're saying they think is good, but I don't trust that it's good at all. But when you trust something... You're backing it up with your words and actions. So, if a politician I do like gets up and says something, I believe what they're saying and I place my trust in, in what they're saying because I'm backing that up with my actions or with the way I act everyday life um, with my words and everything. I'm backing that up. I fully put my trust in what they're saying. When you trust someone, once again, you are backing it up with your words and actions. The same can be said by placing our faith in Christ. When you place your faith in Christ, you will be doing the Father's will, just like Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through 22. You will be doing the Father's will if you actually place your faith in Christ. That is what Christ was talking about. So where does this leave the quotations? Again, carnal Christian. If you don't know what a carnal Christian is, this is the Christian who persists living in a life of unrepentant sin, as in they they, they sin over and over and over again. They claim to have Christ, and they sin over and over and over again, and they're not sorry for it. Well, the Bible teaches us that there are actually people out there. That is a possibility. And if they really are a Christian, and they persist in a life of unrepentant sin, 1 John 5.16 says, if anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray, and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying he should pray about that. So break that down again. You know, he says brother. He says the word brother. John says the word brother here. That means a person of faith. You're a brother or sister in Christ. And if he sees you do a sin that does not lead to death, you know, you got to pray for that person. But there are sins that lead to death for somebody who is saved. Paul also wrote about this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine verses uh, or eleven twenty nine through thirty two. Sorry, uh, for all this is the famous you know uh, Lord's Supper, Lord's Table. Uh, when you when you take communion at church, for this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Paul even went as far to write about a specific person in his letters to Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 5, verses 4 through 5, he says, You were assembled in the same name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit. And the power of our Lord is present. Hand this man over to Satan, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of our lord what does that mean hand this man over to satan well when we're in our christian faith and we're you know kind of walking on our path and we go astray we start living in the world we're ignoring what god's saying god's going to take his hand that he has over you lift it up and he's going to let satan get in there and satan's going to Oh, man, Satan's going to bring you down because that's who he wants to attack. He likes attacking Christians. I'm, I'm very sure of it. I mean, look, look throughout the entire Bible. Look at the entire book of Job. You know, Satan loves to attack Christians. And God protects us from that. But when we're not walking in the Spirit and we are living in the world, God takes that hand that he has over us and he'll, he'll lift it up. He'll let Satan get in there, even to the point where we might die. God will take us from this earth early if we're living in a life of unrepentant sin. There's many more verses that you can read in the Bible that show that. Reason being is if you actually are saved and are a Christian and somehow you get lost and tangled up in the world and there is no point of return for you, God's going to take you from this earth early and you because you're not doing anything for his kingdom down here. What's our whole purpose down here? It is to be a light unto the world, and to live by example, and to fulfill that great command that Jesus gave us to, to spread his word to everybody, so that way everybody can hear his word. If we're not doing that, then what are we really doing left here on this earth? I mean, that's the only thing that, honestly, in my opinion, thinking, uh, why God doesn't just take us up already as soon as we convert. We're left here for a purpose. And if you're not doing that purpose, if you're not doing the Father's will, either two things are going to happen. One, you were never saved in the first place. Or two, God's going to take you early. So, in closing, I just want to say that to our brothers and sisters in Christ, fully submit yourselves to the Lord. Read His Word every day. Open up that Bible. Pray to Him every day. The more we do this, the more we hunger after him. And I'm sure most of you already know that. And if you're a newer Christian, that this is how we grow. We pray. We read our Bible. We rely on God. The more we do that, the more it will happen. And in turn, the more we do these things, the less we're going to desire the lusts of our flesh. And if you're hearing this and realizing that, oh, wow, maybe I'm not saved by Christ into the foundation, um, you know, I, I invite you to pray to God, for God to work in your heart, to truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him, that Christ died on the cross as a substitute for us, to save us from death, eternal death, eternal suffering away from God. That's what Christ died for. I invite you to turn away from your sin. Run into the Father's arms. Lord, we love you. Let's go ahead and close on a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as this episode goes out there, we thank you for this way of being able to communicate with other people, Lord, and getting your word out there. I pray that the Spirit moves in this message, Lord. The people that do hear this and are saved, Lord, are, are reassured. They're reaffirmed, and they keep continuing to walk closer and closer to you and i pray the people that are listening to this that are not saved lord that uh, you have not worked in them yet i pray that they listen to this and they will the spirit will just move through them and they will come to know you and how amazing you are This, this isn't a life of prison being a christian lord we know this is a life of freedom when we fully submit ourselves to you and we submit ourselves to your will lord I pray that we could just continue growing and growing and growing in this, Lord. Thank you so much for everything you do. In your will alone, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.